3: And uh, welcome to another siding episode of SFP Now. Um, we've got a very special guest back on the show. By popping a demand, we have Patrick... How you doing, Patrick? Pretty good. How you doing, Ian? I'm good. I'm good. Um, for those listeners that don't know who Patrick is, uh, Patrick is sort of like basically he's a uh, comics guru of uh, of sci-fi Pulse. He writes all those, uh fabulous comic reviews that that that, that, that people read and, and comment about on Twitter. Um, and he he was at Comic Con this weekend, so we kind of figured we'd make this um, a post Comic Con special um well before we start i'd like to say that we've got a special guest on the show later on in the form of uh, julianne emery um who's um she plays a she played a key role in better car saw uh, but she was also in the sci-fi series taken so i'm looking forward to sort of, like, bringing bringing that interview to you later on but without further ado let's go on to our our, our uh, comic con special um and, and patrick first off we um, just gotta say uh thanks for being on the show and um how was it well
2: th- thanks for having me back ian Well, it was a typical Comic Con. Um, It was it was a mob scene, and however big you picture Comic Con to be, your your visualization is falling very short of what it actually is. Mm
3: -hmm. So it was like two hundred fifty thousand people squeezed into um, the room about the size of an old fashioned uh, Great British telephone box.
2: Yeah, matter of fact, I would kill for Comic Con to be held inside the TARDIS. That would make it a lot a lot better.
3: Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically Comic-Con's the uh, the event that's actually bigger on the outside, I guess.
2: Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. Um yeah, it was it was a, it was pretty big. I mean, I've been going to my first Comic-Con was way back in 1984 when it was held at the old um hotel location in a size that's maybe not even a hundredth of what the current space is.
3: Have have you been have you been pretty much every year since then?
2: Um, I took about 10 years off when I decided to give up comics for 10 years. And then, like a bad drug, I got back into it again, slowly but surely. But um, I've been going for the last, um, since about 2009, and I was... Pretty. I went from uh, eighty four through ninety six every year.
3: Mm-hmm. So you might have been at the event when they when they launched Lois and Clark because I, I seem to recall. I remember I got the uh, I actually got the DVD box set of Lois and Clark, the first season of the New Adventures Superman. Um, and on 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 that in the extras they've got something like the uh, launch event when 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 they're at Comic Con. Right. So I'm just wondering if you might have been at that. You know, not not the actual launch event, but if you would been. Been at Comic Con that year it, oh, it might have been. been that was
2: in the 90s so I yeah. still could have been going then. might have um, been
3: 93 or something 93 like oh yeah I was there then well you know so like it's just so like I mean I'm, I'm just wondering if that was maybe the first time that the that, that television show had actually uh, set up shop there
2: um, I'm sure it did and it's probably been um, well they've had a lot of things premiere there uh, one of the most famous things is that um, Star Wars um, had their first poster given away at San Diego Comic Con and they promoted the movie there.
3: Wow! So so it was he even he was even doing a bit of promotional things for films and television back in the seventies.
2: Yeah, matter of fact, um, that poster that was given away is the most sought after poster for collectors of Star Wars memorabilia.
3: Mm, I bet. How, how much do you reckon
2: it's worth? Oh, I I couldn't even guess. I know it's more than my house probably. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, you, you you managed to get 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 an interview with Kung and Bun, which um, got to say I was impressed with, and a lot I think a lot of people that have uh, that have actually read it, I've seen I've seen sort of like people commenting on your facebook page about it and, and 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 whatnot
2: yeah he's a he's a real nice guy he's written a wide variety of things and um this looks like this could be a big um big boost for him and for uh, dark horse comics um it was announced on thursday at the dark horse presents panel i was at that um after just two issues fox wants to pick it up as a tv series
3: damn I mean, is it, what, what's the comic called again
2: it's called Harrow County. It's described as a southern gothic fairy tale by um, Cullen Bunn and it's it's utterly fantastic. The first issue sold out. They've already done a second print and um, it's it's going to be a book to follow and it, it follows in five about five issue arcs.
3: Cool. So is it kind of like a true blood book, Nina?
2: Um, not that way um, It's not no, no sex sadly um, at least not yet but, um, it's it's more a ghost stories creepy things um, um, real quick summary of the first issue is um, ghosts in the book are called haints and this girl Emmy uh, thinks she's following a little boy goes out into the woods and she realizes it's a haint it's a ghost wearing a skin suit and the ghost leaves the skin suit behind so what does she do like any little girl well any woman she's just turned 18 she rolls the skin suit up takes it home and puts it in a bureau drawer and talks to it and they become friends that sounds um it's very very eerie and creepy <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm,
3: I'm just wondering what drugs uh bun was taking when he wrote that
2: well he 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 made the entire audience laugh he said um well the south has got a lot of weirdness and strangeness and the one story he told everybody was when he was about four or five years old he remembers looking out the back window of his house and somebody crawled out from underneath his porch, went over to an apple tree, knocked an apple down, and then went back underneath the porch. That's a true story.
3: <clears throat> well, you you've uh, you managed to get onto a few of the panels as well. I mean, you know, you, you posted the um, Babylon Five panel, um, yes. transcript, which must have taken hours to write up.
2: Yeah, and I was sitting there feverishly writing, hoping my tape recorder would record it, and it didn't, of course. So I'm glad I took such feverish notes. But um, that was the. Ha- I've been to a. Lot. I've been to Star Trek conventions. I've been to comic book conventions, fantasy conventions, and that is without question the happiest cast I've ever seen from a television show. They were just so pleased to be around each other. You couldn't help but feel how much they enjoyed each other's company.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've um, I've actually interviewed uh, Bruce BoxKnight and Camilla Christian in the past, and and they're they're both really really good people.
2: Oh, and... they're they're fantastic, and the other people on the panel, um, Stephen first was hilarious. Uh, Bill. Moomy, um remembers everything down to a fine detail, which um, upset Claudia Christians that she could remember so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry Doyle was absolutely hilarious.
3: Yeah, Jer- I've interviewed Jerry Doyle as well, I and mean, he's got an incredibly dry sense of humor.
2: Oh, it was, it was fantastic, and it got to the point where um, Patricia Tallman, who was also in the show, was moderating it, and she'd tell fans who are asking questions, just ignore whatever Jerry says and ask your question. <laughs> just just talk over him, just blow off Jerry, go ahead. mm
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm surprised you actually got into that panel because I would have thought Babylon 5 would have been song sort of like um, a horde of fans trying to get into that one. It
2: was, I had to, I I stupidly did not read the entire program, which uh, pretty thick for Comic-Con, and it was a ticketed event, so I had to, um, thankfully I woke up at about 8 o'clock that morning and thought I'd be able to stroll into the panel and uh, Patricia Tallman had posted on Facebook, make sure you get your tickets, and I thought, oh my gosh, so I... I had to run to the convention center in about 20 minutes after taking a quick shower and um yeah I stood in line for about an mm, hour and a half before they let us in and then it was a uh, it was a lottery drawing to see who would get tickets
3: cool so it sounds to me like you were uh, like you patch your superman cape and everything
2: yeah, pretty much. I know I was breaking some speed limits there as I was running up.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, beware phone boxes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what other panels did you uh, manage to get on?
2: Because... Um, I went to the um, Marvel um, Secret Wars panel because I wanted, I've been, re- I, before I was a major, I'm a major DC fan, which is obviously from the content I review. I was a major Marvel zombie and then became a DC fan because I wasn't happy with the direction of Marvel Comics, but I've been trying to pick up Marvel books. And certain titles like Thor have really got me interested, the all-new Captain America. And I wanted to give Secret Wars a shot because I read Secret Wars when the original series came out in the 80s. So I went to that panel and um, wasn't, wasn't too happy with it. That was probably the only panel I went to that I was kind of disappointed um, the first half an hour was nothing but um, informing um, patrons uh, what books were available for Secret War spinoffs, but they were anything that one could learn online or get out of a preview, so They didn't really give much, and then the last half an hour was q and A, um, and they couldn't really tell anything because it'd be spoiling. So most of the answers were, "We'll see," "Could happen," "Maybe," "Possibly." Mm-hmm. So it was kind. Of, it was it was very unfulfilling.
3: Yeah. Well, a fun panel I seen. in think it was um, three. Uh, they did a panel for uh, the Dead pool film um they also did one for um but for x-men apocalypse and um what was the other film I Can't remember. One. oh fantastic four and they, right. they, they did three different panels they, they you know i managed to get hold of them on uh on youtube and they just edited together the three different panels but well, at the very end of that they they actually um you know something of like says well we've got all these marvel heroes here let's let's have this uh huge photo up and what they did is they they all got got together they had this big photo up, and none other than Stan Lee came onto the stage, and right. and, and um, you know he, he was boasting about his gravitas as a photographer. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. And he came on and sort of like took the photo, and um and then is is it Chris Hardwick the nerdist yes. Um Chris Hardwick then took a photograph of, of of all the all these different cast members from the Fox Marvel universe. Um right. with, with with Stan Lee, it was um you know it was, it was you know and and the panels themselves were quite funny as well. I mean the uh, the X Men Apocalypse one was quite interesting because um you know the guy, the actor that plays uh, Professor X, uh, James McAvoy, he's actually shaved his head now. Right. So he's going to be the bald Xavier in in the uh, in the new film, right? <laughs> so, you know, so th- th- that was quite quite interesting. And the uh, the, ca- the cast seemed to be you know in- enjoying each other. The only one that I wasn't really that overall with with overall with was Fantastic Four. But I'm not really a Fantastic Four fan anyway.
2: I'm I'm a big Fantastic Four fan, and I'm I'm really underwhelmed by what I've seen and heard. I can tell you that at the convention, just being on the floor and talking to other people, no one was discussing the. Fan- Fantastic for The big talk was um, either um, Superman versus Batman mm-hmm. or um, the Deadpool movie. Deadpool. Last year, I would say you couldn't shake a stick without hitting a Harley Quinn cosplayer. This year, it was Deadpool mania.
3: Oh man, it's you know it's it's you know it don't surprise me. Um, I mean, I um, as you know, I sell stuff on eBay, and um, right. I recently um, I recently bought two cases of um, of of um, the Funko Ride of Deadpool and his van. Right. I bought bought two, three cases of those. Um so I had about nine of them. Um within 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 sort of like uh, perhaps um less than an hour of me listing them, I no longer had nine of them. Right.
2: I believe <laughs> it.
3: They they were sold out um you know and and the same the same sort of happened when i when I sold some Harley Quinn stuff last year you know right. they, they just sold out um I mean you know so like i've got i got I gotta say i'm quite quite interested in seeing a Deadpool movie um, because he's song sort of like the anti spider man but he's just a- his mouth absolutely. Is Spider-Man.
2: and and they're talking it's going to be r rated uh here in the states, which I think is fantastic i mean i'm- more, i that's a character that needs to have an r rating for his language and the violence level that people are expecting. And um, judging from the trailer, which is all over the internet, um, it looks to be R-rated, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. another
3: thing that's um, you know that, that they're doing is it, and I, I read somewhere that you know, and this was also announced at Comic Con, but, but it kind of slipped under the radar of many sites, including us. Um, but there actually there is actually talk of a Deadpool Spider-Man animated series.
2: Right, you know, we, we've we've done both working together sort of thing. I could I could see that happening very quickly. Um, that would be through um the Disney cable channels. Hmm. And um, yeah, Disney's going to be all over this to use that character.
3: Well, yeah, I should imagine it'd be quite funny Deadpool and Spider Man working together because they're both renowned for something like uh, the never cocky one niners Yeah, they're
2: they're both wise asses, but the difference is is that um Spider Man won't kill while Deadpool has no problem doing that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my my money's on Deadpool.
2: <laughs> yeah, i hate to say it. Only only Spider-Man spider sense would save him from that um that conflict. <laughs> I was I was going to ask. Did you hear what happened after the uh, Star Wars panel? Um, I didn't know. Um, this is this is a story that was making the convention and the Twitter round nonstop. There was a Star Wars panel where J.J. Abrams came out with the actors, and he showed a um a behind the scenes clip, which is also online everywhere. But then, the surprise was, and my two roommates went to this, so they were tweeting me as I'm at dinner when this is going down, Abrams invited the entire audience, 7,000 people, to go with him to a free live orchestra concert of Star Wars. Oh right,
3: yeah, I, I heard about that, he, he actually invites them right at the end of the panel, because they, they actually that, that's actually on the uh, on the video that we posted at Sci-Fi Pulse, um, right. inviting them. And I believe it broke a world record or something, didn't it? Yeah,
2: and all these people went walking a couple blocks away with lightsabers in it because everybody got a free lightsaber. The funny part of the story is there was another panel scheduled after that. It was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kevin Smith.
3: Uh, Yeah, vaguely. um, Did did he do those um, terrible Clerks movies or something?
2: Yes, he did. Well, the first Clerks movie is good. After that, it kind of goes a little (laughs) bit. I I will admit, the first movie is very good. After that, it's kind of mixed. But Kevin Smith had a panel afterwards promoting his next movie. He went out, and there were only 20 people in the audience that hold 7,000. Oh, my God. And he was wondering if he should cancel this, this, because he was there to promote his new movie. And Kevin Smith, um, has people either are hot or cold with him. He's a dynamic speaker. You, you're riveted to everything the man says. He's an incredible speaker, and I really love his writing. I think he's great. But he was wondering if he should even come out. He had his daughter with him to help him promote this movie, and he didn't know if he should do it or not. And he went ahead and did it anyway. And I know someone who was there who said that was the most personal con experience they've ever had in their entire life. Mm.
3: Yeah, I like Kevin Smith as well. I mean I, I really loved clerks and um and and, and I even like I like Maurats. And oh, yeah. uh, I believe that I believe that's probably what he was promoting Rats too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I absolutely adored Ma Maurats. I kinda of loved the uh, the whole, you know, you know, just he you know, twenty somethings hanging hanging out in a Mao. It's just
2: funny. Right. But I couldn't imagine. I mean, he's such a great he's an outgoing guy, he's so gregarious, he's just exploding He's basically the North American version of Guillermo del Toro, in my opinion. He's got so much energy coming out of him. I couldn't imagine him going, okay, I've got to cry. I could see 7,000. He goes out 20 people. Damn. And there are photographs of it, and it's like, oh my god. And he's promoted that movie as well for Abrams. He got to go to the set. He's written about it, and to have this happen is just, it's a gut punch. It's one of those things you either laugh or cry, and I hope he's laughing about it now.
3: Yeah, you know, they, you know, ho- hopefully, um, ho- hopefully some. Good karma comes his way for you know carrying on with the panel anyway because there's probably a ton of people under the same circumstances that wouldn't have done it
2: exactly you
3: know so so hopefully some good karma will come his way and um and his next film will be be really successful for him, you know right, so right. I I, I can you know I, I really like you know the stuff Kevin Smith does I've actually got a video of it, of, of some of his stories uh, you know he saw like uh he, he used to do he did these uh talks a while back and I've got I've got a DVD. Of him talking, and, oh, he talk- yeah. and he talks about his experiences. Um, you know, the Ping Superman movie, <laughs> right. and, and 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 the stupid ass producer that I was working under. <laughs> right oh and, yeah and also uh the, the you know the story the story about you know the work he did for the prince and stuff right. like that he's, he's got got some great stories and you know it's um it's actually one it's actually a bit of a treasure that that dvd i i pull it out whenever i'm feeling a bit down it's quite funny, funny to listen to oh yeah absolutely well you know there's all sorts of panels and and what 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 surprised me and i've seen it on at least two of the panels i've seen on that i've seen on youtube was um i watched the once upon a time panel oh yeah because i've Kind of a, I've kind of gotten hooked on Once Upon a Time, and I think it's because there's not been anything else on. (laughs) Um, but, you know, joke, joking aside, the, uh, they, they actually promoted the uh, Funko Pop Vinyls that they're doing a Once Upon a Time on there. And I thought, and they said they're coming out in October. And lo and behold, I get an email off my wholesaler yesterday saying, what are these Once Upon a Time things coming out in October? Get your pre-orders in now. So I just pre-ordered three of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Pop Funko booth, um, I have to tell you, there's certain booths. Um, if you go to Comic-Con, you only go to them if you're going to be devoted to going to that booth. Booth. Going to the CW booth, you have to be devoted. And I would say right after the CW and sadly right next to it or pretty close to it is the Pop Funko booth. And it was a disaster last year. It was just a train wreck. Uh, just mobs of people um, on preview night. Preview night um, Wednesday ran from 7 to 9. They closed the Pop Funco booth at 8 o'clock because they had sold out of everything. doesn't
3: surprise me. You know, it's um, it's amazing how popular that, that stuff is. I mean, I, I sell nothing else but it on, on eBay. EBay and you get some things that you think are going to be popping or which turn out to be not so popping. you know for example the uh the Captain Picard uh Star Trek Next Generation pop vinyl I've had a, a case of those since February of right. this year they've not sold <laughs> you know yeah and and, and and then you get things, then ooh. you get other things that you don't don't think you're gonna sell, but you think oh I'll give them a go, and they they go right away. Yeah, and
2: I couldn't believe the number of um, Comic Con exclusives, which the conventions become famous for. They must have had, and I'm just guessing. I remember looking 25 to 30 exclusive only to the convention, different figures.
3: Yeah, pre-ordered about three 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 different ones of those. Um, the wholesaler that I have in the UK here is a uh, doing doing pre-orders on them, and you know he's got so many. Uh, in the consignment and i think i i pre-ordered two doctor who ones and and uh, something else and you know and they're 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 actually more expensive to buy wholesale than, than, right. than they are normally. They're about two, three quid more. So, you know, obviously, um, as soon as I
2: get these things, I'm going to whack the price up as high as I can get away with. I'm telling you, people were walking away with those things in just bags. It was it was stunning. And then they announced, what did they announce coming out? And um, I saw a clip of just uh, the audience going crazy. Oh, they're going to do Harry Potter figures. They've
3: already, they've already, they, they, that must be the reaction figures they're going to do, the Harry Potter ones, because they, they've already done a line of Harry Potter pop vinyls. There were about twenty in the image I saw, and I was like, "Oh my lord, here we go!" You know, the, the Star Wars ones are pretty good. Um, I've actually got a few, few pre, you know, uh, preview editions of the Star Wars ones. I've got a K three PO, um, R two Q five, and i pre-ordered um, twelve Han Solo's, and um, it's just as well got the pre-order on those because they're all pre-sold out.
2: Right. Now, does the Han Solo have the broken leg? It's
3: no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically a it's a rep- It's basically Basically, uh, Han Solo from A New Hope. So he's, he's basically wearing the costume from A New Hope. Oh, okay. So he's um, not grey-haired Han
2: Solo saying, "We're home, Chewie."
3: No, not yet. I'm kind of wait. I'm waiting on now those to come out. I'm, I'm basically it's my mission in life to uh, to get some of the uh, some some somebody the for uh, for Star Wars, The Force Awakens.
2: Yeah, that was that was all over the place as well. People are hot for that movie like nobody's business.
3: Would you say they're harder for it than they were for the prequel trilogy? You know, based yes. on your experiences at the con?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think simply because it's a continuation and its characters they're already familiar with with the same some of the same actors, so definitely.
3: Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I mean, you know, so like, um, I enjoyed watching the Star Wars panel um, on the video that I got, and I also uh, watched, uh, you know, the fact is Harrison Ford acting likes this one. Yeah, and,
2: and you, you can tell sometimes when he goes out to promote things, he's uh, more um, more of a curmudgeon than usual. But he, he seemed generally happy to be at this panel, which was nice. You
3: know, and he was even he was even taking a Mickey out of a uh, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill as well. They were, were sort like playing with each other on the uh, on on the panel. It was kind of a really positive fun interplay between the three of them right which is so like you kind of wouldn't expect that because you know there have been these stories going around for years and years that Mark Hamill was a little bit envious of the success that Harrison had right and 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 this and that but you know if, if those stories are true it didn't come across on that panel at all
2: no and I think they're all they realize how the movie has helped them and hurt them somewhat for their careers but I think they're extremely gracious about it and I think they're they're happy to do more. Mm -hmm. And Carrie Fish is funny. Oh, she's hysterical. I've seen her several times in person. She's an absolute riot. She
3: she should do stand up comedy. I swear she's
2: funny. <laughs> she had a uh, one woman show that was going around for a while, uh, based on one of her books, and it was um, filmed and shown on cable television out here. I'm sure it's available as a DVD. But um, she's absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. So you, you you what other panels
3: you got you got onto four panels in total. You got the Babylon Five and the uh, the the worlds and Marvels. What what were the other two you got on?
2: Um, I got onto a uh, a panel called the Forgotten trio, and it dealt with letterers, inkers, and colorists, and that was a comic book panel, and it was featuring um, professionals from Aspen Comics and um, IDW, and it was very interesting listening to them because just in the last two years, things have started to change for um, recognition for them on the covers of comic books. For example, it used to be there were no credits given on the front except where the um, artist signed his name, and then the writer and artist got credits on the front about the late 80s. Then in the 90s, um, well actually, no, no, them. and then um, the colorist started to appear just in like the last two years so now letterers would like to have their name listed on the credits on the front of the book which is a big deal and um, all three of those individuals play major roles in comic books and they they don't really get recognized as much as the writers or the artists do so it was kind of like saying what do they do to the books what's it like for them to get recognition they said it's only been in about the last two or three years that people are starting to recognize who they are and what they do for comic
3: books yeah and, and the thing is another uh, um It can be quite, quite, quite a good art form. I mean, um I read, um, you know, I've, I've read a few side, few side, can't side, 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 and, and basically he doesn't really do comics releases graphic novels right and um you know he his girlfriend Nick does does some lettering on his on his books and you know his books they're, they're usually kind of horror related right. or something like that and you know if you, you read read those books the one you know the one thing that strikes out you know stands out from the page other than the artwork uh, which is always very different is the lettering um and she, she's really clever the way she does it it's because sort of like um, she kind of um, varies it for when each different characters are talking,
2: right, and that that makes sense because not every speaks, not everyone speaks in the same tone or with the same inflection. So I I really appreciate it when a letterer does that. I mean, I've come to recognize um, it's kind of sad in a way, but I mean, it's kind of good. I can recognize um, certain letterers instantly just by the fonts they put down. I'm like, oh, I bet this is so and so, and I'm always impressed when a book uses um, a variety of different fonts for different speakers especially when they're not human beings. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a good way to make them stand out from other humans. Um, what was the book that just did that? Xenoscope um, just finished up the, their uh, final Jungle Book series, and every animal of the animal kingdom had their own unique font, and that makes sense because each animal sounds different to the other animals. So I thought that was a very clever way to um, differentiate the characters from each other. Well,
3: you know, as I was saying, it is an art form, you know, and, and also Congress don't get enough... Credit.
2: Absolutely. I've seen books that um, have, have, well, I've seen books where the artists aren't exactly up to snuff and the colorist comes in and they're the ones who put dimension and tone into a face or really fleshes the character out. And um, sometimes I've seen colors where it's just so dark and so muddy, you can't tell what's going on. So mm. d- definitely colorists. And inkers as well. I mean, sometimes a penciler comes in and they don't have time to ink their own work, and the inker can help it or hurt it. So inkers are also very crucial to comic books. Mm-hmm. And
3: and just think, in the old days before we had computers and stuff like that, um, the inkers literally did go over the over the pencil with pen.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you made a mistake. I mean, if you look at old artwork, there's a lot of whiteout on there.
3: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so so what was the, uh, the other panel you got, got to go on? The, the
2: other panel I went to was a selfish panel. Um, it was writer and former um, um, Uber editor of DC Comics, Paul Levitz, who um, wrote a famous run of um, Legion of the Superheroes, which is probably my favorite superhero title of all time. And he was at a panel for one hour where he was just discussing Legion of the Superheroes. And um, it was really interesting. And that's probably the next um, thing I'm going to put up for the website. I have transcript of, of that entire conversation and it's really interesting because he was on the book three different times and each time he left he didn't think he'd be coming back and he gives a couple insights on um what he thought of other people's runs on the series and what he sees for the future of the book right now considering there is no legion of the superheroes published for a couple years now
3: he's another funny he's another one of those speakers that's really funny as well
2: Ab- absolutely, he's also um teaching a class in New York. So yeah, so I've
3: I've heard him speak. He, he he's he, you know he's he's basically another one knows that can that that can sort of like hold an audience in the palm of his hand and and have them you know have them laughing. <laughs>
2: Oh, people? absolutely, and he's, he's very dry and he's very understated, and um, at the end of the interview, uh, the person, I don't have his name in front of me right now, um, who was um, talking to him and asking him questions, was uh, bringing up some things that he didn't remember, and uh, Levitz's voice would, I've never heard his voice rise before, he would say things like, that's not me, no, I didn't, no, I didn't do that, <laughs> and um, it made the entire audience chuckle quite a bit, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a very entertaining person to listen to, and he's seen, I'd say, every side of the industry there is to see. Yeah. So, um, did you get yourself any swag? I did get some swag. Um, Dark. Horse, if anybody ever gets a chance to go to a convention where Dark Horse Comics is, um, they'd only started this last year that I'm aware of. They give out like little. Last year they gave out little postcards with like panels from comic books. And if you don't have anything for an author or a um, writer or a color or letter or to sign, like an actual comic, you can take that. They'll give you the little postcard for free, and you can get it signed. Um, this year they became very large prints for. Free. And I was stunned at the size So I got several prints from Dark Horse Um, But the favourite piece of swag that I got And I waited in line for 90 minutes Was a foam chainsaw For Ash vs. The Evil Dead Coming out soon on Starz I can't wait to see that Have you seen the trailer? Oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. I tried to get into that panel, and I couldn't get into it, and it broke my heart, even with a press pass. No special privilege for that panel, but um, I'm on fire for that series. I love um, I love the Evil Dead movies. I love Bruce Campbell. Lucy Lawless was there. Raimi was there, and um, I saw that phone chainsaw, and I said, I've got to have that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so at the convention, they actually had um, Ash's trailer, so you stood in line, you walked around the trailer, you had a drawing to see what you could get as your freebie. It was a hat, a t-shirt, a tote bag, or the chainsaw, and then you actually went into Ash's trailer and they had it laid out like it was, I guess for the TV series, and you're left alone in there with your group for a couple seconds, and all of a sudden, uh, power tools on the wall start moving, things start moving around, and um, then you're allowed to use the restroom so they put you into this tiny restroom in a trailer, and I knew something was going to happen, so I'm looking in the mirror, all of a sudden um, this blue figure appears on it, and air gusts out of the thing, making people scream, it was, it was really fun <laughs> it's a yeah. great promo for the show
3: yeah, I was I was lucky enough uh, about a month or two ago to actually be on a on a conference call with uh, with Sam Raimi and 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 and, um, and Bruce Campbell oh, wow. and, and the other executive producer we actually we actually posted the transcript on on the website oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a while I remember back that. I remember that. um but you know that was like one you know that was like one of the funniest um you know most entertaining conference calls that I'd done in a while I can imagine
2: I can imagine you know,
3: because the I tell you what the warehouse 13 ones are used that sci-fi used to do were' always entertaining um in in the sense that saw Rubinick he he's Another one of these guys that's got a great sense of humor. Oh yeah, you know, and um, and and those are always fun. But you know, I've been being on a few ones. I was on one for Dominion last year, and you know, um, and you know, but that that Walking Dead one—it's the only one that that um, sorry, uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead one—it's the only one this year that I've been able to get on. Right. Um, Except just not had time. It's very rare for me to uh, be home by half six anymore. <laughs> and you <the, laughs> right. usually have these these things because I trying to cater to people in the um, in, in in los angeles as well usually you can have them anywhere between half 6 and 7 p.m uk time which is usually when i'm getting something to eat <laughs> <laughs> so i've just not been able to do them as much sadly but you know it's but it looks like a great show i'm really looking forward to it oh I'm, yeah i'm i'm on fire for
2: it i cannot wait
3: and I think the fact that it's gonna be um in half hour episodes as well could actually be yes. a good thing because um, i've noticed that uh, um, some things that have 40 42 minutes uh seem to struggle to fill those 42 minutes
2: yeah i'm thinking uh, half an hour is good they can put in some good scares and some really good laughs with it so i'm 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 on fire for this series i really am even though i couldn't get into the panel i'm really looking forward to this series mm-hmm.
3: i'm gonna have to look for that panel online see, see if someone's posted it
2: <laughs> I'm i'm sure it's somewhere that's that's really been, I mean, the biggest change in Comic-Con, I'd say just in like the last six years, um, because of cell phones, people will bust out a cell phone now and um, they'll, they'll record it. And um, most panels don't have a problem with it. It's not really been an issue. I can remember going to a panel in, uh, oh, geez, 2006, I think. And it was a Lucasfilm panel and Hayden Christian was the big surprise guest. And they actually had people walking up and down the rows saying they were going to take people's cell phones if they saw them filming. And you couldn't get away with that today. There's no chance.
3: Mm. Yeah, and, and uh, well, you know, they didn't really miss anything if the guest was hating Christians. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> I,
2: I only saw him for that, and when it was announced that his face was going to be replacing the other actor at Return of the Jedi. The, the audience just booed. And Christian goes, hey, don't blame me. I'm just doing what the producer asked me to do. <laughs> mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I I, um, you know, I, I agree with that. That was one of those changes that Lucas made to the films that was unnecessary.
2: Right. I can understand it, but it's going to be interesting to see if he pops up at all because there's been some, some whispers about somebody looking into uh, past tapes or something. So we'll see if that shows up at all. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, t- talking about the Star Wars thing, um, there's been this... There's been this fun bit of speculation going on around about the uh, the identity of Kang Ren. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't heard.
2: Who's it supposed to be?
3: Well, this you know, it's people, this fans that are speculating that it's a young boy from Star Wars Rebels uh, he, that he kind of
2: grew up and broke bad. I haven't heard
3: that one. Yeah, yeah, but it's like some some people are speculating that 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 it could be him. That it could be Ezra. Of, huh. Yeah, that he broke bad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I know that Rebels isn't supposed to go forever as a TV series. They say they have an end planned out.
3: Yeah, and that could be it. You know, you know, Ezra go into the dark side. You know, you know,
2: be interesting if it was. Yeah, and he helps. Uh, oh boy, that'd be terrible if he uh, ends up helping uh, a Tano get killed. That would be awful.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I've seen the, I've seen the season two premiere of Rebels, and I was blown away by it. Oh, it was utterly
2: um, fantastic. I loved it. I
3: mean, you know, I, I loved the first series. Um, you know, I, I like the way they introduced Lando back into it, and and stuff like that, and I think that's really cool. I I want to see I want to see Jabba and and Han Solo and Greedo and and a few of the other characters from 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 A New Hope, uh, song like put into it at some point. Oh, we're not gonna
2: get um Han Solo. Han Solo's gonna be they they can't touch him because he's gonna be in that um prequel movie that they're working on. They announced.
3: Yeah, but well, there's not there's no reason why they can't can't have him appear in Rebels. Oh, well, I
2: don't think they know what. They're going to do with that movie yet, so they can't put him in Rebels yet. Maybe thir- if they do a third season of Rebels, they might drop him in that. But I don't think it's going to happen for a while.
3: Well, oh, ho- hopefully it does happen because I I, I kind of like see that. Um, I mean, I, I've really I've really enjoyed the, the, the series thus far, and uh, I kind of like the characters. And I think you know, as you, as you rightly say in your in your view of it, season two, the opening of season two and the introduction of Darth Vader, that is a complete game changer. Oh yeah,
2: it stopped being a. Um, I know a lot of complaints for the first season was oh it's for little kids it for little kids that opener for season two i went okay now it's for everybody this is for adults as well
3: i i i gotta i gotta gotta say i didn't really think it was for little kids the first season i I quite enjoyed the first season of what it was and i felt the inquisitor was a pretty was a pretty good villain
2: yeah i liked him and i was i was sad to see him go
3: yeah i don't I don't think they actually used him to to his fullest potential. No,
2: and there's been stuff I've seen online too where they're saying it's possible they could bring him back. So,
3: mm. well, help. So hope um, so. um anything else on on Comic Con you'd like to share before we sort of like go go to the interview?
2: Um, no, I mean it was I had I had a good time, um, and thankfully my press pass is good for two years, so I'm good to go for next year. Mm. Well, so I'm, I'm raring to go. I'll need a year to recover though. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you probably need about eighteen months to recover, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank, thanks to doing the showers and um, you know, I'm I'm really glad you had a good time. Um and um, i also I also share your disappointment at, at some of the panels that you weren't able to because I next know that, year I'll
2: just I'll just be pushier next year. So
3: I know that you're you're probably just as you know, you're probably even more gutted than I am. I mean at least yeah. I got to see them on YouTube while you why you was busy toiling away there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um but you know but you know th- thanks for thanks for doing the show and um you know thank thanks for song sort of like uh, you know go into comic con every year and you know song sort of like uh, reporting for sci-fi pulse and 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 everything you everything you do do I don't think you uh I don't think you realize how, how grateful I am um for for that
2: well, I'm really grateful for you, Ian. Mean, if it wasn't for writing at Sci-Fi Pulse, I wouldn't have been provided this opportunity to go. So, I mean, I am I throw all that praise right back at you, doubly. If it wasn't for you and the website, it wouldn't have been possible for me to go. So, absolutely, I thank you for that all the time.
3: Okay, well, well, thanks for, thanks for sharing with us. I think now it's time to uh, go over to uh, our interview with uh, Julie Anne Emery um, from Better Call She was also in Taken. Um, before we do i'd just like to quickly apologize for the quality of the sound um unfortunately also like um, um I was interviewing her on the end of, she was on the end of a cell phone and unfortunately the reception wasn't that great but you know we we, we we will um we'll pass you on to the interview now it's showtime, folks i don't go
2: looking for guilty people to represent
3: your honor
0: i'll
2: never do it again i told you, suit remember that's a loner okay i need it back Better call Saul two night series premiere begins Sunday, February eighth at ten. Damn straight, go with God. Only on AMC. Hello,
0: I'd, I'd like to welcome uh, Junie Ann Emery to the show. Hi, Junie Ann, how are you doing? I'm very
1: good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm good. Um, I've got I've got a few questions to ask you. Um, um, the first one I like to ask, I like to ask, like to ask this um, every, every actor that I speak to is, how did you get into the acting? Um, I grew up in a
1: very small town on top of the mountain, and the only theater for 100 miles was in my hometown. It was called the Cumberland County Playhouse. And it was mostly community theater with, um, like, um, full-time pros working, like, non-union pros working, and um, they provided a drama teacher for the high school, and she found me singing in a choir and asked me to come audition for her play. Her name was Mel Michelle. She changed my life. I'm really grateful.
0: Wow, that's that's a great story. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's great when you have people like that that can come into your life and change things for you, you now.
1: Yeah, I didn't. you know, my dad was a dairy farmer and my mom was a um, computer programmer. I don't I have any other family in the business. Um, she really is she's one of those teachers that really changed my life forever. I think everybody has someone like that in their past. Um,
0: for, me, um, for me, it was well, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Oh, wh- one of your most recent roles is that of uh, Betsy Betsy Kenneman in the uh, Netflix series Better Call Saw. Now, I've actually noticed that there was actually a family card for Kennemans in an episode of the first season of Breaking Bad. Is is, is she from the same family? Uh, I
1: don't. I am not aware of that being true. I think in spelled that one differently, right? Um, I think we're the Edelman with a K. I, but I, if uh, um, if Bedford and Saint Peter have not shared that thing, I, I don't think Bedford. But that's that's a good gig
0: up of info right there. That's well, impressive. well, I I came across it, you know, purely by accident uh, while I was mucking through this afternoon. Um, for those that actually haven't had the opportunity To uh, catch Better Call Saul uh, yet um, What can you actually tell us about the series And your role in it Because uh, you know, I think all, a lot of people are going to know Is that it's um, mm-hmm. is that it's a spin-off of Breaking Bad It's actually sort of a prequel in so many ways It is a prequel It's set six years before the beginning
1: of Breaking Bad So um, I, think we're, I think we begin in 2006 the prequel itself even flashes back further at times into like the 70s when um, uh, Saul Goodman or as he's known now our show Jimmy McGill, he's not become his alias of Saul Goodman yet. Um, when he was growing up, it's all about how he, how a guy like Jimmy McGill become Saul Goodman. How does someone become a criminal lawyer? Um, and uh, my role on it, I don't want to someone give anything away. Um, we've been called in the press where
0: it was outlaws in the West, my husband and I. Um, I think my character looked very, very much like an American, Midwestern housewife, but she has a lot more going on. Her. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I noticed that, you know, another another role that you've had is, you've had a role in the uh, TV adaptation of Fargo. Um, did, did you get to play any scenes with Martin Freeman and Bingie Bob Thornton in that series?
1: Um, I I was to a with Alfred Holman and
0: Bob Oster, who played uh, Saul in Better Call Saul in Fargo. And so I didn't have scenes with Martin or with Billy Bob, but I was on set with both of them. I'd alive, our days crossed over, and they were both lovely. Martin Freeman is just the nicest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, and, um, you know, he's he's
1: crossed over in so much genre stuff as well. I mean, Sherlock, The Hobbit, you know? Yeah, and I was a huge, I was a huge, I am still a huge, Sherlock fan and um, and was raised on the Tolkien books. I mean, um, I when I met him the first time in the trailer, I, I left and I texted my husband. I said, I just shook just his hand. Um. Uh, so it was, that we you wouldn't know it to talk with him. I mean, he acts like just this regular working day actor, but he is really blown up in a big way. He's
0: such a good actor. It's really nice to see that happen to someone. He's such a nice person and such a good actor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so like I even remember him back in The Office and he kind of played quite a sympathetic character in The Office. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Um, he has quite a lot of range. I actually think it's really interesting what you've brought to the character of Watson. I mean, he's brought that sort of, brought something entirely sympathetic to that role. Um, and that's when he brought to his role on Fargo too, which was why I think his character has such three-dimensional depth. I mean, you're watching someone who you think at heart is a really decent person and you're watching him just go down a spiral of doing dark, dark things and kind of like, um, so I thought that that sympathetic and vulnerable aspect of him worked really well for him in Fargo. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, uh- I guess I guess his character in a way is kind of similar to Walter White in the uh, Breaking Bad series because he starts off as pretty de- you know as, as pretty much a decent it guy. Is, but. it is. Yeah, except that Walter White starts the cancer, and so he
1: just his have... character Doesn't really have that. Walter well, Nygaard is just sort of. Down by life. But it, it, it's really interesting to watch those kind of
0: those men sort of, kind of go to the dark side and get stuck on that power. Mm-hmm. I did that, that sounded like a Star Wars reference, but it wasn't. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we, we can talk a bit of sci fi now if you want, because I've, I've noticed I was looking at your IMDb miss before, and there's probably stuff that I've missed uh but i've noticed that you've, you've popped up in quite a few shows and, and one show that song that caught my attention was a was a miniseries taken which um if i recall yeah. it and it was a multi-generational story if i if i remember rightly it was yeah
1: it was just it was a sci-fi channel on the map nobody knew what sci-fi channel was yet um i played amelia key i was in the middle generation of the key family was three generations of different families and uh, through their experiences of alien abduction and uh, um, I loved my role in that and that that was a big break for me. Um, Even Spielberg had Final fan, all the casting, and I had done like a recurring role on ER. I'd done a few small things, but a million pieces character that was where I was really interested to build out someone's life and someone's arc on screen as opposed to on stage, and it was uh, a really wonderful experience. Les Boheme wrote all ten episodes of it. They're all two hours long. We wrote twenty hours of television. It's insanely impressive. Um, it was a really wonderful cast all the way through, um, mm. and I loved. I, I am a sci-fi, so I love. I love getting to do something
0: involved in that world. I love. I love being in a sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching that when it came on. It, it played out like quite a big event here, and I remember. Um, I remember watching it with my mum, and we, we were song like new to it, and um, it was just um, really compelling television. Um, did you Did you realise it was going to be so big at the time, or?
1: Um, I'm So I don't think anybody. I mean, we wound up nominated for an Emmy for best miniseries. Like we. I don't think anyone realized when we were shooting it sort of what it would become. I think everyone involved really liked the writing. I think everyone involved really liked the script. <laughs> it played like a character drama instead of, uh, you know, a lot of the sci-fi at that time, just before Battle Star and before some of the more compelling sci-fi dramas, all the sci-fi at that moment was more about cheesy effects and this wasn't that. And I, so I think it played more like a big family drama. Uh, we were all into what we were doing, but none of us, nobody even knew what the sci-fi channel was. At that point. So none of us expected it to sort of blow up the way it did, and I don't know that I didn't expect them to promote it the way it did. I mean, they put billboards everywhere; they really made a big push, push with it, um, which was my first experience with something like that. So it was, um, it was, it was a, a ha- almost a happy accident. I also met some directors on that that I continued to work for over the years that were quite wonderful who, again, did it because they were also drawn to the writing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you write something good, artists will come and hopefully it will find its way.
0: Well, um, I, guess it's, I guess it's hope for a few friends of mine who are writers, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's true,
1: though. It, it really is true. Good writing will draw to that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really will. I've seen it happen over
0: and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that you, you was in, it was, um, this This was um, on a few years ago, it suddenly got cancelled after its uh, second series, but you did a guest appearance, and you, you played a nurse in this also, because you played a nurse in Taken, and then you got to play a nurse in Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> I was actually a
1: doctor um. in a dream. Yeah, yeah, I was a doctor, actually, um, in Sarah Connor Chronicles. You know, I was originally, I originally Shirley Manson's role on the show uh, uh-huh. when they added that character and um, um, I really got on so well with Josh Friedman um, and the writers during that whole process uh, that they, they just called me up and were like do you want to play um, and I couldn't believe it when I got the script it was really uh, it, it was a giant part of the episode and, and I started out as a I think, should I not do spoiler alerts? I started out as a um, uh, as a police doctor and then turned into a Terminator but at the end I was like I'm on the show and I get to be Terminator it was awesome mm-hmm. and I just I
0: applied with Lena Headey, It was really great. Ray. I hope to work with those guys again sometime. I and mean, I really enjoyed my time with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it happens. I mean, I think think Josh Reed I can't. Um, I think Josh Friedman's doing another show now. I'm not quite sure what it is because it's sort of like, it's slipped my mind. It's probably something I actually watch. <laughs> um, yeah, he's probably got something going
1: on. He's a really interesting guy. I think he's he sees sci-fi in a interesting way, but then he writes it in a very high-end way from a character point
0: of view. Mm-hmm. And, and that Shirley Manson, I swear to God, I'm never going to look at a male, at uh, a uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, men's Target cubicle, you know, as in the, the bowls, in the same way ever again. <laughs> I know,
1: right? You she know? was a really
0: character. She did a great job. She was a really good I, Actually, I've, I've, I've actually been avoiding using public Targets and seeing that episode. It just freaked me out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as it was I. I'm sad that Joe you went know, by the wayside. I would love to have seen, there are certain shows that have propped up that, um, have gone by the wayside that I would love to have seen have a full life. Like I would love to have seen where Sarah Connor was going in the next four seasons, you know, and, uh, kind of like Firefly, I always watch Firefly when it's on. Sarah Connor kind of like that for
0: me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a brown coat too. I love Firefly. Oh yeah. You
1: know? I, mean, I can't, I, I can't even, I, I have, I would love to have watched those 13 episodes. I just always think like a good idea to me to
0: rewatch Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, while we're still while we're kind of on Terminator, what, what do you think of the direction that they're going with the uh, new Terminator Genesis movie? They're kind of rebooting it. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, okay. I, I mean, I think it's probably a good idea for the franchise, but I, I feel like one did that which was so groundbreaking and brilliant, now it still feels like something they do to reboot series. Like it doesn't, it doesn't.
0: Totally fresh to me, but you know that said, I, I, I mean they're getting my like, they're getting my money for tickets, you know. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go see it. Um, you know, because it's um, so I, I I've been um, I'm, I'm a fan of the first Terminator, the first two Terminator films, but not so big on the uh, on on the last ones that I did. But I'm going to give this one a go, see what it's yeah, like. I'm going to give it a go to and I think it'll probably
1: be interesting. I just don't think it's quite as breaking as two, and I that. that but, I mean, I like the idea of a young Sarah Connor, you know, I like the idea of all that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, don't my ticket
0: money. I'm just not wildly turned on by it. Well, I think they picked the right actress to play young Sarah Connor um, because um, is it? You know, she, she's in Game of Thrones and she plays a, a fantastic role in Game of Thrones. And, um... Yes, she does. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's terrific.
0: She's terrific. I think she'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, having having actually appeared in a few science fiction and fantasy projects already, um, is is there actually a few dream science fiction and fantasy series movies that you'd like to try and score a regular role in? You know, do um, you read any
1: John Scalzi? Um, oh. John Scalzi has a book called Old Man's War, and I'm dying to be in a movie version of it. Although I don't think anybody's making of it um, but I, and I always thought I wanted to be a Star Trek because I'm a big Star Trek fan uh, but I auditioned for Star Trek Enterprise when I first went to LA and I was like I'm not sure if I'm watching do I really want to know all the secrets behind Star Trek mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm such a fan of the show that I thought it might blow it for me so um, I don't know I, I want to if I'm going to do more sci-fi I'm I'm interested in sci-fi in space which we've sort of moved away from um, but I like the idea of a exploration of our
0: sci-fi mm-hmm. Well, I think we're probably going to be kind of moving back towards it though no, um, sci-fi in space um, because we've, we've yeah. had we've had I mean, like I... a, we've had like a 10 year drought of sci-fi in space yeah,
1: that's I hope so. I hope so. I like. You know what I like about it. I like sci-fi because I feel like it opens up our imagination to possibilities of what
0: might be out there in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. I've got one final question for you. I mean, you, I noticed you also got to work on Hitch, um, which was with uh, Will Smith. What, what was that movie like for you to work on? Because I believe you played uh, the sort of like the, the best friend of Eva Mendes's character. Yeah.
1: Lauren's best friend, and a long way from the new settlement. That was a really, you know, that was rewritten while we were shooting so creatively it was hard but it was hands down I think the nicest cast I've ever worked with. Will was really gracious and welcoming and Eva was lovely, Amber Valletta was in it, Kevin James. Um, it was a really low key. To be in a movie, it was my first studio movie and to be in a movie with so many famous people in it. Um, it was one of the most, um, they had great temperament. There was not any acting up on set, there were no big egos. Um, it was a really lovely experience. And I think that plays on camera. I think there were days when we were cold reading scenes, we would get them very, very last minute, and I think some of what plays is the fact that we actually loved each other and had a good time together. Um, and it can, make a, it can make a difference in movies like that. And I miss movies like that. We don't have a lot of, um, I don't know, romantic comedies
0: going on anymore. It's all big action films now. And, and uh, I hope we get back around to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i not really a big fan of romantic comedies, um, but even I like it. depends it. on the romantic
1: comedy, right? I mean, it depends on if it's action or it's actually good. Maybe the market got inundated. But I'd like to see us get back around to a movie that costs 30 or $40 million instead of $300 million. I, I think we get more character in those
0: kinds of movies. Mm. I think that's what I miss. Yeah, I mean, I I think with Hitch, it was more of a people movie than than romantic comedy. I think it, it was actually the characters that made it. You know, uh, I I quite enjoyed the Kevin James character and... You know, and how Hitch was trying to help him. And, you know, it was just so sort of like, um, it just seemed that the, the, the actual characters were, you know, so sort of like, were, 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 were very real to me, in yeah, a sense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, that is
1: exactly what I'm talking about. And I think with, when you have a $300 million movie, it's always going to be more about special effects. And again, don't get me wrong, Sarah Connor Comics is definitely getting my money. I went to see Mad Max. Like, it's all, I, I love a movie. But we have a, a, a vacuum right now in terms of movies that are really about character
0: that we relate to. And and I hope we get back to that soon. Mm, I, I hope so too, because it's kind of nice to have that balance between the action movies and, and, the, um, and the more people-centric yeah. movies, I think. I and
1: mean, I think television is I think that's why Fargo did so well, I think that's why Better Call Saul did so well, because they're a slow character examination, and, and uh, I think think television
0: is filling that void, I hope it doesn't take it away from features forever. I, I hope that I hope that trickles back into features. Mm. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed that it, that it does, you know, um, because I've got to take my girlfriend to see something. <laughs>
1: I know, right? And it's, it's so funny. I tweeted something last week. The L.A. Times put up a big thing about Pitch Perfect opening so big and saying that the audience found new gold, that the, the studios found new gold in the female audience. I'm like, that audience has always been there. It's just being ignored right now. But I don't think it's a female thing. I think that there is an audience for, you know, movies that are more about relationships and characters than they are about things blowing up. And uh, we've been ignored by the studios. I mm-hmm. feel like those character rollouts.
0: Yep. Well, um, I'd like to thank you for your time. It's been absolutely great speaking with you, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays on the podcast. Uh thank
1: you so much, and um, and thank you for bringing up Taken. I love, I love
0: being part of Taken. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. I just had to bring that up because I remember watching it with my mum. It was actually one of the last things I, I, lost with my, I watched with my mum. My mum died about twelve years ago, so. Oh, I'm so sorry um,
1: about that. My husband lost his mother last
0: she she was a big science fiction and fantasy fan, and uh, we used to watch a lot of stuff together. My God, together. how lucky are you that you had a mom who was a sci-fi fan?
1: That's amazing.
0: Mhm. My dad wasn't though <laughs> <laughs> You know, my my oh. dad my dad and my sister used to call me a big geek. So <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: you say
0: thank you? Yes. I I just saw like it was kind of like water off a duck's back, and uh, whenever they wanted the computer fixed, in I just said no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that, you know, that's vengeance. that's
1: awesome, and I bet Taken was the perfect go for your mom, because it was sci-fi and yet a good family drama. That, I, that sounds like a perfect thing to watch with your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. my, my mom was not a big Tolkien book fan or a big sci-fi fan, and I took her, I insisted that she go see the first Floor of the Rings with me. I had seen it already twice, and I made her go with me to it's such a well done film, and now she does the all of them. Oh. now she's into the fantasy world. Well apparently
0: I'm I'm a bit like you as I know Star Trek and a funny story for you here, and this is actually true, my mum was actually working at a pub in Manchester while she was carrying me when I you know, went you know, when when I was sort of like in the womb. And when it was quiet they would have Star Trek on the TV in this pub. So I probably got into it while I was still in my mother's womb. <laughs> wow. You know, I, you know that's probably why I probably just popped out when I was already a sci-fi fan <laughs> did, I don't even remember how
1: I found Star Trek because nobody in my family was watching it but it was next generation for me for sure but that's, a, that's an amazing that's amazing mm-hmm. I well, love
0: that well you know thanks very much for your time it's been wonderful speaking to you and the and, and best of luck with your future projects um, you know oh it's, thank you. it's like you've got quite a you lot know, going on I, I had a really lucky Well, I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. And my toes, because my toes are like fingers. (laughs) Thank you very much. It was lovely
1: talking to you.
0: Thanks. Goodbye. (laughs) Hey, this is Crazy Joe. And this is Dave, host of Megapodzilla podcast equivalent to a 100 foot radioactive robot lizard but with horn-rimmed glasses and a pocket protector. <laughs> That's nerdy. We're on the rampage playing Waste to the Geek Landscape. We'll talk movies, TV, comics, toys, video games. And sometimes we talk turkey. Don't you mean chicken? Ha <laughs> ha! That's right! So check us out at Megapodzilla.com. We're also available on iTunes and the Zoom Marketplace. Aw yeah!
2: Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the sci-fi and space series Bitten. You are listening to Sci-Fi, PulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi...
0: That's about it for this week. Um hope you enjoyed our comic con special. We've got more great shows coming up for you in the uh, in in the next few weeks. Um I'm I'm arranging uh, more interviews with uh you know new and interesting people um from from the, from from the world of science fiction and fantasy entertainment. Um we you know if you like what 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 you've heard and you like the show, you can subscribe to us on um iTunes. All you have to do is go to iTunes, type in sci-fi pulse radio and um our itunes feed should pop up um so when it does just hit subscribe and we're also available on stitcher um same again just go to stitcher and you know do a search or whatever for sci-fi pulse radio um where, where you can you know you can get all our shows on there um past present and future and, you know, Stitcher also has an app as well. So, you know, it's kind of like you can just download um, the Stitcher app and, and um, just subscribe to Sci-Fi Pulse Radio on that. And there's also loads of other great shows on there as well. Um, anyway, as ever, thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy producing it. And um, all the best to next time.